You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. The Bible reading today is taken from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8 to 12. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Happy New Year. It's wonderful to share the first day of 2023 with you. How was your New Year's Eve? Well, we had a kid-friendly night with our life group. I was in bed before midnight. But over the years, it's been an important question, who am I doing New Year's Eve with? Well, one night often doesn't meet out all the hype. It exposes the question, who do I belong to? Who are my people? Who wants to spend it with me? And while how we celebrate changes, there's a part of all of us that fears standing there at midnight all alone with a sparkler. Well, today we begin our new series called Resolutions at a time of year where we make resolutions to be happier, fitter, more interesting. And over the next four weeks, we will be considering some biblical rhythms, practices God has designed for us to flourish as his people. And today's resolution is we need friends. As we think about friendship and belonging to community, it's it's needless to say that we are all different. Firstly, our personalities are different in terms of extroversion and introversion. Personality tests like My Briggs determine how we are energized, either being alone or around people. But there's also life stage. We have different capacities and needs for friendship at different times of our lives. And yet even the most introverted, where happiness is curling away from the world with a book, we can't ignore that over the last couple of years with COVID that isolation harms us. Remember those lockdowns and curfew in 2020 and 2021? Maybe feels like some weird dream. Yet the impacts of those years has changed our community today. See, our friendships may not be the same. The lockdowns have ended, but our disconnection has lingered. Maybe we've lost the practice of being friends and we're feeling more isolated. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare says that since COVID pandemic, 54% of respondents reported feeling more lonely since the start of the pandemic. It goes on to say how, how those hit hardest by isolation and loneliness are young people between 18 and 24, 
the effect of online learning, missed employment, but also single parents as well. Isolation is having a devastating impact on our mental health, but also harming us physically. Isolation is linked to inactivity, increased smoking, high blood pressure, and the report says loneliness is like a chronic disease, increasing mortality by 26%. Loneliness is literally killing us. When Ecclesiastes 4 verses 8 to 12, we meet a guy who experiences this loneliness firsthand. He's all alone and he's owned by his job. Verse 8, for whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? See, sometimes in life we have a moment, how did I end up here? Do you feel the futility of his existence with no family or friends or kids? to enjoy his life or leave everything to, he's isolated and miserable, a life of deprivation. So Ecclesiastes deconstructs all the ways that we attempt to find purpose in life, whether in our careers or money or different pleasures, maybe living for the next holiday. And his teacher shows that striving for these things are meaningless. In Hebrew, it's Havel, which describes a puff of smoke. You simply can't grab onto smoke. But one of the few things in Ecclesiastes that doesn't be to be considered grabbing smoke is friendship. Verse nine says, there is a good return on investment by having someone by our side. So as we consider new resolutions and godly rhythms for 2023, we can't miss that we are made for community. This is what this guy is desperately missing, was to be truly known and loved and to share the load. Just think about social media. We can see what's going on in people's lives, but it's proven to be second-rate community, even harmful to our well-being. As we present ourselves online as flawless, beautiful, authentic, virtuous, loved, we put up walls to our real struggles and further isolates us from one another. And behind all our posts and likes, we've never been so lacking real and meaningful relationships. Some of the highest grossing TV shows of all time include Friends, Seinfeld, Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother. While some are older, all have the same concept, meaningful community with friends, who become like family, people who belong despite all their quirks. And as these TV theme songs play in our lounge rooms, we desperately long for this community. But in reality, I'll be there for you hasn't been our story. In verses 10 to 12, we have a picture of someone traveling in the ancient world, which is incredibly dangerous and deadly. Notice the hazards of isolation compared to the benefit of having a companion. Alone, the traveller falls to their death, succumbs to the cold, is overpowered by thieves. But together, one is helped up from a fall, kept warm when freezing, and overcomes their attacker. We are stronger together to overcome the dangers on life's journey. See, friendship is literally a matter of survival. But do we believe that we're stronger and safer in community? 
For the last three years, we've been told that the people around us are a physical threat. So we socially distance. We go online to avoid COVID. Literally separating from each other has saved lives. For those who are married, you may have moments where you think your partner will be the death of you. But consider the payoff of your years together, the return of your companionship, combining different skills and abilities, the savings of shared finances, moments when one has been sick and struggling and the other has been well and stronger to help. On so many levels, together there is strength and many benefits. Verse 12, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we often hear this at weddings, but this isn't specifically about marriage. The cord of three strands is describing a rope under tension. Think of a tug of war. And the more strands mean it will not break when under pressure. So it's saying, while two is strong, how much stronger is three? No matter our marital status, we are created for community, which no spouse alone can provide. So is the solution just to be more social? You know, introverts nightmare. Well, following our pandemic, our culture has picked up on the fact that we all need community. But the problem is finding and maintaining reliable, trusted friendships can be really hard. It takes years, even in a community-minded place like Diamond Creek. See, just like the first humans, sin has put a wedge between all our relationships. And while the idea of community sounds romantic, in reality, sharing our lives for more than five minutes, people let us down, they offend us, they hurt us, and our sins get exposed as we do the same. Just go online or turn on the news. People are capable of the most terrible stuff, but that includes us. See, in reality, many of our relationships are transactional, just returning the favour based on a common interest or circumstantial. You know, you went to the same school, played at the same club, at the same workplace. It's a fine thread holding people together. The friendships are the most disposable of all our relationships. In our culture, we end our friendships if they no longer work for us. We sever the rope. We avoid them, gossip about them. If the thing that you have in common is removed, what is the foundation of your friendships? See, also, our best relationships end, and sometimes this is abruptly. People move on, they die. See, the strongest married couple will be single again. It's pretty rare for a couple to die in each other's arms at the same time. Community alone isn't enough. We need Christ-centered community. We need the source of relationship itself, the one who's not bound by sin and death. So we're all made in the image of God who is in perfect, loving community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And while God doesn't need friends, we're made in the image of a relational God, so we do. Yet the reality of sin and death has destroyed all our relationships, isolating us from God and each other. Yet in the Gospels, Jesus gathers a diverse group of unlikely disciples. He shared life with them. He invested in them. He showed them what God's kingdom is like and what he came to do. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been united to Christ 
invited into a new reality of transformed relationships, reconciliation with God and each other. John 17, 21. Jesus prays to the Father that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. United with Jesus, united with each other. See, in the church, we get this amazing privilege to experience new family, being adopted to one another, whether lonely or loved, whether isolated belong. Have you experienced this? So how is Jesus-centered community better? Well, firstly, Jesus' friendships are resilient. See, outside of Jesus, when we've been hurt, we hurt others. When we've been rejected, we reject. The world says, cut ties, move on. But a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The additional strands in the rope, when put under pressure, will not break. It's more resilient. See, our resilience isn't ultimately from people, but Jesus. In him, our relationships are founded in grace. Our community is grounded in God's covenant promise, which is about God's faithfulness to us and undeserving people. So grace transforms us from transactional relationships, just returning the favour to those who provide us something, to serving others when cost. When wronged, instead of revenge or distancing ourselves, we seek reconciliation. One of the most common words in the New Testament is one another. It's in there around a hundred times. For example, Colossians 3 says, bear with one another, forgive one another. See, this language assumes that if we meaningfully share life, our relationships will be put under strain, but it won't break. In Jesus, because we are undeservingly forgiven and loved and accepted, we share this grace towards a person we deem least worthy. And while we should have meaningful friendships with non-Christians, more than a sport, a school or a hobby, what glues us together is something so much stronger, more resilient, unbreakable, Jesus himself. Well, sometimes people can be toxic and harmful and abusive, and we need to remove ourselves in these times. But this is the exception, not the rule. Overall, Jesus' community is resilient. We don't give up on people. Secondly, Jesus' friendships are reciprocal. Consider the two travelers. There is one person who has fallen and one who has not. There's someone who's weak and someone who is strong facing the different challenges on the road. Having another strengthens them both at different times. See, the benefits of community are reciprocal. As a community of grace, there are seasons when we just receive from God and others. The church is a hospital for the sick. But in Jesus, we're not meant to stay sick. Jesus' relationships aren't transactional, but reciprocal where we, us, where we serve and allow others to serve us. See, overall, the traffic shouldn't be just one way. Not dependency on others, but community where everyone plays a part. The three-strand rope is tightly intertwined. And looking to the New Testament, Paul describes a church as an interconnected human body. The spirit is at work when someone who's been receiving starts serving others 
and using their gifts to pull others up. So what's more challenging for you? Is it selflessly serving others or allowing others to serve you saying, I really need help? See, transitioning through different life stages can be traumatic, whether finishing school, entering the workforce, having children, putting parents into care, let alone a family death or serious illness. We all need a village, a Jesus community of grace. For the men, especially the dads with younger kids, I know overall we can struggle the most at maintaining our friendships. You know what it's like. We haven't been in touch, so we can think it's an imposition, asking to catch up. So it's so much easier just to remain distant, to leave it to the next event, or tempted to leave things on the surface level. Look, at a church our size, we can't be friends with everybody. Reciprocal relationships doesn't mean codependence or exclusive or clicky. They're always welcoming others, though. C.S. Lewis says, Friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. But with only friends with people just like us, they're probably transactional. We get something out of them socially. See, in the early church, the spirit was at work in a community that transcended social and economic and ethnic barriers. I just want to speak to single people just for a moment. In our community, some have chosen singleness. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, were single. And many here are content as singles, surrounded by a supportive community, have life-giving friendships. But for some, singleness has chosen them. Unwanted singleness is one of the most heavy burdens carried in this life. There's pain and loss and grief in unwanted singleness. You know, desiring kids or intimacy that will never be known. See, Jesus calls us to be family, to share each other's burdens and tears. But let's be real. We live in a couple's world. Sometimes trying to uphold biblical marriage, we have idolized it, excluding our single brothers and sisters. You know, I was married in my mid-30s, so I've seen a massive difference to how I've been treated comparing being single and married. Single. Uh, I'm not sure guys should be on kids' ministry. Married, oh, you're a great dad. You'd be wonderful in kids' church. Single, oh, we should have you over for dinner. Never happened. Married, we should have you over for dinner. Are you free this week? You're available to help to give the families a break. I shouldn't have to say this, but if you're single, you're not a half a person. See, Jesus presents our kingdom as a feast with all sorts of people at the table. And sometimes us couples, we have failed to live according to this radical picture of family. You know, married couples having date night. Why don't we also have mate night? Consider wonderful friendships with people not just like us. You know, those married with kids, enjoying the blessing of adult conversation from the single friend. And the discussion's not only about kids. Or the single person to know the joy of playing with the kids and time spent with a couple and experiencing family life. Lastly, Jesus' friendships are regular and real. In Ecclesiastes 3, it acknowledges there are different seasons. You know, in your 20s, at 4am, out with friends, with young kids, up at 4am, changing nappies, 
for seniors starting the day at 4 a.m. So as we transition through different life stages, we have different capacities for friendship. In some stages, all we can offer is an encouraging message or that you're praying for them. But do you have brothers and sisters you regularly journey with? Not just superficial chats on a Sunday, but friendship where you are truly known and loved, warts and all. A few years ago, I was new at a church and I joined a life group. And for the first six months, I went out of pure commitment. But there was a key moment when something switched in going from being polite strangers to friends who actually wanted to spend time together. I remember this moment, our guard came down and we completely lost it laughing at something silly. But how do we get there? I reckon it was the week in and week out, all the little moments of regularly turning up when we feel like we didn't have the time or would rather stay home and watch TV. Turning up when feeling spiritually weak or hypocritical, yet experience being pulled up, kept warm, fought for by those who are in a stronger place. He didn't just come to get something out of it. It looked like sharing meals, opening God's word, praying for each other and being real about what is going on and pointing to each other to Jesus and his grace in the mess and complexity of life. One night, the host said, look, we've just had a massive fight. It's still raw. We're still upset, but we love you and we don't want to be fake. See, this group journeyed with Adele and I through some big stuff, being newlyweds, IVF challenges, pregnancy, me starting ministry. See, individually and as a couple, we were safer and stronger in this group. Regular, real Jesus community. See, there'll be many good things in life that has a trajectory to take us away from the blessings of regular Jesus community. And no friendships will automatically happen. Trust and affection require time invested to be prioritised in the diary. But like my experiences, it was all about commitment first and the life-giving friendships followed. Committing when feeling too busy and sinful and annoyed at that person. Hanging in there when wanting just to give up. See, Jesus-centered community is not grounded in our fickle feelings, but regular habits grounded in God's covenantal love. And our friendships are an exercise of trust that the Spirit will grow our love for one another and will grow us to be more like Jesus when we're real in the ups and downs that will come this year. Hebrews 3.13 But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Regular, real friendships. This year, as we make resolutions and think about our commitments, know that you are made for community that is resilient, reciprocal, regular and real. And my challenge for you in 2023 is to experience this in the life of our church in two ways, if you possibly can. Firstly, commit to an in-person service, meaning sticking around in the foyer afterwards to get to know others. Get past that surface level chit chat, going deeper to what's really going on, your joys and your struggles. Take the risk 
Invite them over for a coffee or lunch, catch up midweek. Secondly, commit to a life group. In a couple of weeks, we'll give you an opportunity to do this. If you're already in a group, how can you invest more deeply with one or two others in the group? Some here have formed prayer triplets before work. Now is the time to form these rhythms. See, this is more than church gatherings, but let's take these opportunities to deepen our friendships. See, we just don't need more social stuff in our lives, but Jesus-centered community where we're loved, contribute, and grow in Him. We're safer and stronger together. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.